Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 32. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Um, I'm not sure if I'm the only one. I probably am, but don't know if any of you are experiencing this where all you can really think about right now is hunting um, or a hunting trip. (laughs) I've got 19 days until my Colorado archery, uh, first ever Colorado archery elk hunt, and I I try hard to think about other things, but sometimes it's about all that's on my mind. I had to fight it off. Um, And uh, my wife can tell you a lot of times our conversation somehow just goes into elk hunting, which she doesn't probably want to talk about as much as what I do. Uh, While I'm at work, I have to fight the temptation to look at maps and topos and and look up YouTube videos of... I've been looking up like uh, guys that go on dirt bikes back in this area where we're going to just to kind of get a feel for what it looks like. but I know I'm not the only one. I know some of you guys are really pumped for whitetail season or muleys or bear season or whatever. Is uh, There's all kinds of things to hunt coming up and um, uh, just, you know, it's super exciting. Um, I am trying hard, though, to manage that. Uh, I've told my wife, hey, you know, whatever projects you need done before this trip uh, that I should be doing, just let me know. And so I stained the deck. Now I'm staining the <laughs> kids' playset. set. Uh, yesterday we went up to my wife's uh, home fair and uh, where she grew up and spent six hours at this fair and, uh, you know, just trying to do things. And I'm not doing them just to make my wife happy, just so that I can go on this trip. But, you know, I, I do want to, while I'm at home, be at home. And while I'm at work, be at work. I want to make sure that I'm getting things done and and not slacking in those departments. But it is a challenge because I am excited for this trip. But whenever this trip finally comes around, I want to make sure that I can go on it guilt-free and go and enjoy myself on this adventure. Even if I don't get an elk, just going on the trip itself uh, just puts a smile on my face, and I can't wait to get in those mountains. So the plan will be uh, today we've got a great guest coming on. He's going to be talking about some some terrific stories. We're talking about bear hunting, uh, mountain lion encounters, and then he gets into his first ever elk, and it is a awesome awesome story he's a great storyteller i think i i I literally had tears it's the first guest i've had on the show that had me in like laughing tears from one of his stories and and you just gotta wait for it because it is awesome and then next week we have another guest coming on and then three weeks from now um we will, if I get another guest lined up, we'll have it. Otherwise, I might just kind of use this as a way to update you guys as I go. Uh, I have my buddy Trav with me, and we can do some podcast stories in the, in the vehicle and uh, on the way out there. And uh, well, Just kind of stay tuned. Uh, there'll be a couple weeks there where there might not be as much stuff, and if there is, it'll be short. But I know that you're not sitting around just like, oh, when's that podcast coming out? But anyway, anyway, uh, getting sidetracked. I am super excited, though, today to have our guest. His name is Lauren Norris, and Lauren is a Georgia guy that has some fantastic fantastic stories like I just said and you're gonna gonna love those when we get them on here in a second if you haven't hit subscribe yet I would encourage you to do that so you don't so you don't miss these uh, podcasts also helps uh, build the audience I guess I don't know uh, leaving reviews helps uh, if you enjoy this at all if, if uh, what I'm saying and the guests and the stories it resonates uh, go ahead and hit five stars leave a little comment I think that helps somehow and also just you sharing your stories if you have a story that you'd like to share come on um, let me know I'd love to have you on and uh, that's it. That's my plug. We're going to go ahead and jump in here with Lauren. I do have a couple quick comments right at the end, uh, but without further ado, here's Lauren Norris. Hey guys, the other day I was uh, going through Facebook and I'm a part of a couple different elk hunting forums and I came across this story that just absolutely uh, grabbed me and it came from a guy from Georgia. Uh, He is into the restoration work, doing restoration on houses and things like that. His name is Lauren Norris. Lauren, welcome to the show, man. Oh, thank you. So, how you doing today? How's how's things down in Georgia? Uh, it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> Toasty down there these days, huh? Yes, sir. We've uh, we've had a warm summer. For yeah, it's sure. been, been kind of rainy here, but it's finally it's starting to feel like fall, which is absolutely awesome. Like you know, I, I'm sure it's just a fake fall. You know, it's going to be 90 degrees <laughs> probably at some point, but uh, get kind of gets you excited for deer hunting and all that stuff. So. Oh. Oh yeah. So Lauren, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, who you who you are, and um, you know uh, where you're from, and all that good stuff. Well, um, 
47 years old. Actually, today is my birthday. So, oh, happy turned... birthday! I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, thanks, sir. Well, we uh, we uh, don't really celebrate my birthday anymore, so it's just another day. <laughs> oh, well, we're gonna celebrate it today. That's all. I, I I didn't have cake or anything, but maybe we can talk about hunting. That might be a present, right? <laughs> I uh, that that sounds good to me. <laughs> So what what do you do for a living? Talk to us a little bit about this restoration work and uh, what what do you do there? Yeah, I own a company. We do mold and water restoration work. We do uh, remodeling, light construction work. Uh, mostly when people have damage, we come in and fix it. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, and you're uh, a married guy? Yes, sir. Um, I got married last year in September, actually, so been married almost a year now. I've been with my wife. We've been together for five years, and uh, she loves to hunt just as much as I do. Yeah, that's something that I saw on that post, and it's something I definitely want to dive into. Um, we've had a few different people that are able to hunt with, with their spouses, and, and I'm kind of from a different boat. My wife, she's okay if I kill things, but she doesn't want to be there whenever I do it. Uh, so I thought we could kind of dive into, uh, I know that there was an elk story that you had and some of those other things, but before we jump into that, um, I want to kind of get a little bit of your hunting background. It's always interesting to me how people got started into hunting. So, so Lauren, how did that um, you know, start for you? How did you get the, the hunting addiction? Well, I tell you, when I was young, my, my parents were divorced, and I, I came from a split family. Um, my, my dad had moved to Texas, so I didn't get to see him much. And my grandfather, he was the one that really took me out and, and did the things that dads do. So he was pretty much a father figure to me. Um, he took me hunting and fishing and just taught me everything, you know, I, I know to this day. Um I've hunted these Georgia mountains all my life, and he he would take me out in the middle of the night, and we would go coon hunting, we went squirrel hunting, we did every kind of hunting you could think of. Mm. Um, taught taught me about different plants, and and just taught me to respect uh, nature also. So he was uh, he was my my teacher. Absolutely, that's awesome, and I think that's. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot on the podcast. Having some, it's so huge to have somebody to help you show the ro- show you the ropes because it's you know there's so much to learn, you know, and and you can read about it on forums all you want, but there's nothing like somebody taking you out in the woods and kind of uh, you know giving you lessons out there that nature teaches. Absolutely, and he he planted the seed, and I fell in love with it. Uh, he died in '86, mm. and I just I just kept going, you know, even though I was the I'm the only boy in a, a family of of three women, so <clears throat> I didn't really have anybody to go do things with. So me and my buddies, we always took up and went out when uh, when I wasn't doing it on my own. Mm. Do you remember uh, what was the first animal that you're able to, to harvest? Do you remember that story? Yeah, I do. The first animal I ever harvested, I was actually uh, eight years old, I think, and it was a squirrel. And I, my, my grandfather had given me a, a 22 rifle and taught me how to use it, taught me the safeties of it. And I don't, to this day, I don't know how he did it, but he turned me loose. I would get home from school and uh, I had to have my homework done. Once I got my homework done, I could do anything I wanted. So I'd get my homework done and grab that 22 rifle and hit the woods. And so many times I'd get out there and I, I'd miss and, or I, I would run them down, wasn't able to get them, but I finally shot my first squirrel, and I was so proud of that thing. Run home, <laughs> I had it in my hand, you know, I'm, I'm getting it out, and he taught me how to skin it, and and we cooked it up and ate it that night. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was wonderful. Yeah. No, there's nothing like that first experience. I Mine kind of similar. My dad took me out, and I mean, I thought I was the king of the world. It, it was actually kind of epic. The squirrel was jumping from one tree to the other, and I shot him in midair. And and to be quite honest, I was completely lucky uh, that I even hit the thing. But uh, he rolled out, and I I thought I was you know Daniel Boone there. So, <laughs> so what what animals have you uh, mainly gone after? Has it been kind of a little bit of everything, or have you kind of zoned in on on deer, or what what do you hunt down there in Georgia mostly? 
a lot of bear up here in the North Georgia mountains. So, um, mm. I, I like to, I like to bear hunt. Uh, I do a, a lot of bow hunting, spot and stalk for, for bear, uh, whitetail and turkey. Um, why our whitetail is not very big around here in the North Georgia mountains. Uh, you go further South and you get into some bigger deer, but uh, we don't have the big ones here, but I've hunted deer gosh i can't even remember when i first started started hunting that of course my grandfather gave me a 30 30 rifle and i started hunting deer um but mostly mostly whitetail and and bear uh turkey i started getting on some lease property in missouri and started uh, hunting whitetail there and that that's become a favorite of mine also mm. Yeah, you know, I think I've never hunted bear. It sounds like so the spot and stock. I know most guys. It seems like at least what I see on TV, which is about the extent of my knowledge of bear hunting, is it's usually over like a a big bait barrel or something like that. So are you doing that differently? You're kind of just trying to find them and, and get in on them, or how how are you uh, getting some of these bears that you get? Well, in Georgia here, we're not allowed to bait, so oh, okay. you you pretty much have to find their food source and you do the preseason scouting like the month of August, like right now we'll, we'll go out and, and do the scouting. A lot of our hunts um, we do are up on the wildlife management areas here. So it's all public land. We go out and we find the, uh, the acorns that they're, they're feeding on the berries or food plots that they have. And we look this time of year and, and see the caliber of bear and the sizes and, and the numbers and once we uh, figure out a couple of couple of good bears that we want to go after, then opening week of of both season is really when we hit it hard. Mm. Well, I know I know we're getting to. I know this episode is really about your elk hunt that you went on here. But is there any bear stories that I don't think I've had anybody on yet to talk about bears? So is there any? Whenever you look back at your bear hunting life, <laughs> is there any story that kind of rises to the top as kind of a cool uh, bear story? Um, I, I guess it would be my first bear that I ever killed. Um, it wasn't spot and stalk, but we had scouted like, uh, like normal. And I was just getting into the bear hunt I had run across a lot of bears and pretty much had to learn it on my own. I, you know, after I lost my, my grandfather, I was learning everything kind of by trial and error, but we had hiked back into a food plot that was gated and it was a couple of miles back. So hunting pressure was low just because it was such a, a far walk. And during this time of year, it's really hot. So we hiked back in, scouted, found a really big bear. What we thought was we saw the sign of it, didn't actually see the bear. So decided uh, the next day we were going to take the tree stands in and set them up and hunt that evening. Well, we got our tree stands in, was walking in, tripped on a stick, I uh, had my stand on my back, fell. It come up and hit me in the back of the head, gassed my head open. I was bleeding, you know. Oh, no. my, my main concern was my bow, hoping that I didn't knock my bow off or break anything on my bow. So it was starting out to be kind of a a rough day, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, got in, set her stand up. I'm pouring sweat. My, my head's bleeding, and, and I'm just wishing that I would have just stayed home. Well, where we set up, I could see my buddy. He was probably 60 or 70 yards above me, and we were watching a food plot that was planted in grain sorghum. And we had sat there, I don't know, probably 30, 45 minutes, and you could see the tops of the sorghum moving. So we knew something was in there, but we have a lot of a wild uh, feral hogs here too, and we kind of figured that's what it was. So we sat and... I guess about 15, 20 minutes later, I just saw it step out. And when it stepped out, I knew right then, you know, that's the, that's the one we're looking for. I eased up, drew back, and put my 20-yard pin on it, shot it. And he turned and snapped at the arrow and run into the woods. Well, we got down. My buddy got down with me. We walked over to where the last spot was. I seen the bear. And you could tell the track was you know, pretty good size. We tracked blood for a couple of hours and then couldn't find it. So we hiked back out to the truck, came back into town and I collected a few of my friends and we went back and we looked for that bear all night long and finally found it. I think it was like four that next morning and he was so far back in there, there was no way of us getting him back. 
So we uh, we come back out when got the, the local game warden, and uh, he opened the gate, drove his truck back, and he helped us haul the bear out. Oh, that's cool. It, it was the biggest to date. I hadn't had it measured yet, but uh, it looks like it, it would go Pope and Young. I really need to get it measured, but I just hadn't took time. You know, the books and records and things like that don't really matter to me. Yeah. Uh, it's the experience and you never forget the first one. That's, that sounds like a really fun hunt. Oh yeah. Ever since then, I've been, I've been hooked on the bear hunt. I, I really love to take people. Uh, I've only shot five bear in my life, but I've been standing beside people and seen hundreds, um, hmm. be, be shot. So, uh, uh, I, I just, I just love getting out there and doing it. Yeah. Sometimes that's even more rewarding. I found like I haven't killed, actually haven't killed that many turkeys, but I've been able to be there. Uh, like you said, to take somebody along and just having them experience, you know, that excitement and they get their heart pounding. That's, that's, that's almost, if not better than, you know, doing it yourself. So that's cool. Well, let's, let's go ahead and jump in. I, I've, I've kept, if people clicked on this episode and they wanted to listen to an elk hunt, they've, they, uh, I think they're ready for it. So we'll go ahead and jump in kind of bring us up to, um, you know, how you got started into this, when you decided and, and kind of get us, uh, you know, how did you, how did you even decide that you wanted to go elk hunting? Well, hunting's a passion of mine. I, I love it. And, you know, I've done every kind of hunting you could think of around here and I'd never been out of state. And one of my buddies had, he had went out to Colorado a couple of times and I had talked with him about it just a few times. And, um, he asked me one year, he said, you know, you should, we should go out there. You know, we need to plan. We need to go. So I thought about it for a while and I thought, well, you know, let's, let's do it. And on Facebook, I, I told my part of the story, but I didn't tell, you know, that, uh, that he was with me. So I, I knew this was, this was coming up. I asked him permission to go ahead and tell his part of the story too. So good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause, uh, the, the story on Facebook was a short story cause it would have took forever to, to tell the whole thing. But, we, uh, we sat down and decided we were going to go, and he had hunted a couple spots and didn't have any luck, so we were going to find a new new place to go. So we started doing our research, going online. Uh, we bought some topo maps online, got the maps, laid them out in the floor, and pretty much just laid in the floor looking at, at the terrain and everything. Mm. And this was this was before, you know, the the maps and stuff that you could get online as far as the the aerial view and uh all we had was the topo so we called the rangers out there talked with them got a lot of good information that we probably studied for i don't know about a month uh before we actually decided where we were going to go so we finally decided we would go to um i can't remember the unit but right there at pagosa springs Mm -hmm. and we planned it got our dates and then uh started exercising for one uh i had <laughs> no idea what i was getting into man yeah i i got here and i've walked and hunted these mountains all my life and i thought i'm in pretty good shape well let me give you a word of advice when you think you're in good shape you're not <laughs> keep exercising yeah yes that yep. altitude will get you we was hunting at 10 11, foot yeah, and that's and, uh, that's unit that's unit seventy eight, which is the unit okay. I hunted. It that's my only elk hunt was in two thousand sixteen. Was right there where you're talking. Really? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was the most memorable for sure, and the most challenging. But I would never ever forget it. Mm. Before you before you get too far into it, I'm just curious, you know, for guys that are maybe listening to this and wanting a little bit of tactics, um, what are you looking for on the maps? You know, whenever you're looking at these topos, uh, I think sometimes that's maybe even the most intimidating part for guys is choosing where they're going to go. And, and even if you look at a map, what are you looking for whenever you're, you're looking at that, Lauren? Well, the the maps that we had had the um, the the land outlined, the Forest Service land that we could hunt and uh, that was the main thing is finding where we could and couldn't hunt, finding the public and private lands and, and trying to figure that out. So we got that kind of figured out. And then we was trying to find um, hunting the flats and the gaps and, and things like that, finding out where the water is and, and looking for 
all different things that might affect the um, the elk and their movement, and also our movement and how we would set up and looking at wind directions and and things like that when we got out there and knowing in our mind what the layout of the land was and which way we needed to go to to get the best setup on on the elk according to the wind. Mm. Okay, that's that's good advice. I think that's. I think for for a lot of guys, that's just a little intimidating. Like, just where do you even start? How do you pick a unit? And um, you know, try. I think first thing, like you just said, is this access. Trying to understand is there is it a place that has all this private land, and you got to be careful where you shoot, or is it wide open? You kind of want an area with a little bit more area to roam, right? Well, what we were looking to uh, getting into um, the areas where we thought other people wouldn't be. You know, we like to get out away from people. And like I said, we're inexperienced with Colorado hunting. We really didn't know much about it. So we wanted to get in as far as we could, find the remote areas and hunt those areas and not have so much pressure. And being my first elk hunt, I wanted to go with a rifle. Um, I I love the bow hunt. My passion is bow hunting, but I was ready to kill an elk. So we went out on the, I think it was a second rifle hunt. Okay. Uh, over over the counter tags and and we just wanted to get out away from the people. Mm. So that would have been in like mid October sometime in there, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. So you get out. So you pick this unit. You get in shape. You get rolling. Um, and bring us up to the hunt. So you get into the hunt, and I, I understand your wife was on this trip too. No, no, she hunts with me all the time, but she didn't go on this trip. Oh, okay, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, this has been years ago before before me and my wife were together. Now, my Missouri hunting trips, she goes with me on all those, and she's killed some really good whitetail. Okay, uh, I misunderstood that. Well, I might I might have you tell at least one of those stories, too, since we mentioned it. But let, let's keep going here with this elk story. So you get it, you roll into to Bogosa. Were you guys planning on doing a backcountry thing or staying in cabins, or what was no, your, your plan there? No. It, it was backcountry. We uh, we planned to hike in. We uh, I bought a frame pack specifically for this. I I packed my gear in it, and that's what I was hiking with around here, trying to get in shape. But we drove out there, parked in a parking area, and we just got on the trail and started going. We knew about where we wanted to be, and uh, we had a GPS with us, and uh, we got in there. It probably took us six six seven hours. Uh, of hiking because we were where we were hunting was actually the the mountainside had a lot of dark timber and but we didn't have any of the parks any of the flats fields or anything mm, okay so you get back in there you get set up and and bring us through the oh, hunt how did, how did things go down oh goodness well coming in uh, of course i underestimated the the altitude out there, it really got to us. We uh, we tried hiking in. Like I said, it took us a long time. It, it seemed like all day, but uh, we got in there, finally found a good place, kind of where we wanted to be, and we set up camp. Uh, I had a two-person tent and a tarp, and my buddy had a two-person tent and a tarp, and that's what we brought. We brought our food in. We had um, brought our water purifiers, our filters, to where we could pump water out of the creeks and that's pretty much what we had and then our, our weapon and, and gear. So mm. we set up we set up camp um that evening and I sat down, got something to eat, and slept really good that night. But the next morning we was gonna get up early and we had got there two days early. We were gonna get up early and go do some scouting and, and try to learn the land a little bit. Um, when we got up that morning we got got our stuff on and started to hike. And we went around this little top and looked up, and there was a five-by-five five elk with some cows, and first elk I'd ever seen, and I was so excited. Um, we sat there and watched them for just a few minutes, had our binoculars looking, you know. Well, then after they uh, eased off, we went on around that little top there and uh, went right around the corner, and there was an outfitter camp set right there just uh, – <laughs> <laughs> Probably a couple hundred yards from where we were camped. It was like, oh my goodness, because that was not anything that we would think that we would run into back in there. We didn't think about the outfitters having camps, riding the horses back. We thought we were in the middle of nowhere. Yep. 
it, it's disheartening, but also at the same time, you're like, well, you know, at least I'm in a, maybe they picked a good spot. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that did make us feel a little better. Well, if an outfitter is wanting to hunt right here, then we've done pretty good at, at picking yeah. our spot. Yeah. So we went back, we picked up our camp, and we went further in. So we spent our, our second day hiking, uh, going in. I found a really good spot, set up camp there, and then the next morning was actually the opening of season. So we get up the next morning, kind of going in blind. We didn't have much time to, to scout, so um, we got up in this one area, and you could kind of tell by our topo maps, because we carried those with us, we kind of could tell by the top of the map that um, the flat there was a flat above us, and we could hear the there weren't bugles, but I, and I don't know still what to call them, but you could hear the elk up there. They were making uh, some kind of vocalization up there, mm-hmm. and my buddy had heard it before, and he said that's elk. He said I'll go up high, and you stay down low. If if we jump them, they'll come down towards you and. You know, you'll get a shot at one if he comes across. So that was the plan. And we were right close to the snow line. And I was actually below the snow line, and he was going to hike on up into the snow. So he gets up there and um, found some good sign, didn't see the elk. So we come back out, done some more scouting, come back to our camp. And it was a pretty good hike from where we had camped. So we decided the next morning we were going to pack our sleeping bags and do a sub camp up there to where we could hunt and not have to come back and forth to the camp. So we took a little bit of food, took our sleeping bags, and went up the next morning. We hunted, came back to camp, our little sub camp there, and talked about our, our ideas of what we needed to do. And my buddy said, hey, let's do like we did yesterday. I'll go up high, you come down low, and we'll, we'll try that again. So he went up, and again, he was up in the snow, and I was down below, and I heard a shot. And when I heard the shot, uh, I, I knew it was him, so I thought, well, he, he's got one. So I went back to our little sub camp, and about the time I got there, I look up, and I see him coming down the mountain. And I, I was like, oh, you know, where's it at? And he said, no, man. He said, I was up there calling. He said, I got attacked by a mountain lion. Oh, and I man. said, I said, you're lying. You know, I've, I've hunted the mountains here in Georgia all my life. We've hunted bears, bobcats, uh, um, coyotes. There's nothing up here really that we have to worry about. And I've been brought up in that all my life. So I really don't have a fear of animals in the woods. And I was kind of picking fun at him. He said, no, Lauren, it almost got me. I'm serious. And I was like, what'd you do? He said, I just turned around and shot down into the ground and, and tried to scare it off. He said, it was right on me. So again, I, I'm picking at him. He's scared to death. I could see it on his face, but I just kept kind of making fun of him and <laughs> picking at him. Well, then I was like, well, we, we got to go back up there. I want to see it. He said, I'm not going back. <laughs> then finally, the the next morning, I, I convinced him to take me back up there, and really, he took me up there, showed me where he was sitting. You could see where the snow was kicked up, where he scared the cat. The cat was coming towards him. Now, I don't know if it was going to attack him or what, but he was crouched down uh, next to a tree, calling to these elk, and turns around, and the cats, it probably wasn't 15, 20 foot behind him. Oh, and, man. Oh, you could see everything kicked up. Well, again, I'm still making fun of him. It was scared of you, you know. It wasn't coming after you. We went back to our main camp. We packed up our sub camp. We went back to the main camp, and he said, you know, I'm hunting with you. (laughs) And I was like, no, you're not. You hunt your spot. I'm going to hunt my spot. We're not hunting together. And I kept kind of poking fun at him. Well, finally, I convinced him to go his way, and I went my way. And I found this good trail that went around the mountain. <clears throat> and to my right, I'm looking up the mountain. And you could see where, um, I guess it was when the snow had would slide down the mountain, it would push the trees down. And there were some areas you could actually look up the mountain and see. But I was trying to find one of those spots. Finally found one. I could see up the mountain good. I turned. I could see down the mountain good. The rest of it was kind of dark timbers, hard to get through. 
So I thought this is a perfect spot. I sat down, laid my gun across my lap, and had my pack on, took my pack off, looked up the mountain, didn't see anything, looked down the mountain, and then reached in my pack to get some crackers out. Well, I'm opening my cracker pack, and I look up, and there's a mountain lion standing right in front of me, broadside, looking up the mountain away from me. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. This thing had walked in on the trail that I come in on. And I was like, I know he smells me. I know he's interested in me. And again, I don't, I didn't feel threatened, but it felt like he was curious. Uh-huh. And I'm holding my crackers. I got my gun across my lap. And I'm sitting on the ground. So I ease my crackers down and I put my hands on my rifle. I pulled my rifle up to my shoulder. And when I did that, he turned and looked at me. And just squatted down. When he squatted down, he just sat there. And uh, I kept put the crosshairs on him. I'm sitting there. And, of course, I don't have a tag. It's not season. I know I can't shoot it. And so I holler at it. And I said, get out of here. And when I did that, he was so close. I could just see the muscles in his sides twitch, his oh, skin. Man. And when I did that, that big old long tail just started kind of whipping back and forth. And it got a little faster and a little faster, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to shoot it. And about that time, he just jumped and left. And it was about three or four hops, and he was gone. And I was so excited. I was all pumped up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, it was right here. Oh, man, I was just so excited. And I was like, dang, I wish I could have got some pictures. Well, then I got to thinking, I didn't hear that thing walk up. I watched him leave, and I didn't hear him leave either. Wow. So – I got nervous. So I get up and I went back to our main camp and my buddy, he was already back. And I <laughs> told him what happened. Well, then he starts making fun of me, you know. So we're there sitting at camp back and forth. We're laughing, cutting up. He's poking fun at me now. And I was like, okay. The area we was hunting, it was a bunch of rocks and, and cliffs and stuff up in that, that area. I was like, let's get away from the rocks. Let's go to the other side of the mountain. So we packed up everything and hiked it down past the outfitter camp, went around, got on the other side of, of this mountain, and we set up camp there. And we that evening, we didn't hunt. We waited till the next morning, and then we, we got up. <clears throat> and at that time, we had both kind of calmed down a little bit. and We had our two-way radios. We packed them in our pack uh, this time, and we were both a little bit nervous. But he got up in one area, and I had left him split off from him. And where the avalanches had pushed the trees down in that area, there was a lot of grass growing up through the mountain. And it was really steep. Uh, so I was at the bottom, and we was walking along, uh, or I was walking along the creek edge there, and I would just walk along the bottom side and, and look up those, uh, those chutes where the avalanches had pushed the trees down. Well, I got up there and I'm looking up those chutes and I see just the back side of an elk over on the right side. And the way I was sitting, you couldn't see all the way up to the end. I was kind of at an angle to where I couldn't see all of the grassy area. Well, I sat down right quick and a lot of the trees had fell down and I had one tree across my back for my back to lean on and I had one tree that was right beside me for me to prop on with my rifle. So I get my binoculars out and I'm looking and I, I see the elk and I, I just see the backside of it. And I, I don't know for sure if it's a cow or a bull or what. Well, finally it steps out and it's a cow. Well, we'd seen a lot of cows up to this point, but no bulls. And so, you, only, you only have a bull tag, right? Yeah, I, I didn't have a, a either sex tag. I just had the bull tag. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm watching it and hoping that something's with it. And in a few minutes, I see something come out of the tree line to the left and come out into the to the grass, and it's another elk. And then here comes another and another. After a few stepped out, I'm looking at them, and I, to me, out there, distance will fool you. I'm thinking they're 100 yards away from me. And, of course, I've never seen an animal this big. I've always hunted whitetail. Well, then all of a sudden, my bull stepped out, and when he did, I just I about lost it. 
so excited. I, I wouldn't expect him to see it. So I grab my rifle, I shoulder my rifle, get him in my crosshair, flip the safety off, squeezed on the trigger, <clears throat> and uh, hit him. When I hit him, he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and looked like he just sucked up the bullet. And I was hunting with a seven millimeter ultra mag, and I thought, oh my gosh. He turned and started going up the mountain on the edge of that grass line. And I put another uh, shell in, pulled it between his shoulders, and pulled the trigger again. And at that time, it's like it shook the cloud that started peppering down snow, and he hit the ground. Mm. He tumbled a couple of times and was laying there, and I, I just knew I had him. My buddy had told me to always take the range finder at, uh, to range because the distance out there was so different than being here in Georgia. So I ranged him and he was like 260 something yards. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I just couldn't believe it. So my buddy called me on my radio and asked me that, did I get one? I told him, yeah, so I got one down. I see him in front of me. I'm going to go get him. And he said, you need help. I'm like, no, I'm good. I got it. Well, again, I've never elk hunted, had no idea of the size of these animals. So I start hiking, get up, finally get up to him. And this animal is massive. He was just so big. And I got to thinking, like, how in the world am I going to do this? <laughs> so, and, and one thing is where he fell, he had went out of the grass over onto the shell rock. It's just a bunch of little slivers of rock everywhere. And it was so slippery, so hard to climb. I, it was, it was terrible. But I finally get to him. And his belly's facing down the hill, his head's to my right, and, it, you know, his legs are down. And I thought, okay, I'm going to find me a couple of sticks. I'm going to prop his front leg up, prop his back leg up, and I'm going to dress this thing out. So I looked around, found me some sticks. I did that. Got the front leg up, got the back leg up, and I split him open and started uh, working on getting the, the guts and stuff out. Well, in a white tail, you can reach your arms up there. You can reach the backbone, and you can pull that out. Well, in an elk, that's not necessarily so. Yeah. And I'm not used to it. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I'm pulling and trying, and, and I was like, I, I got to get up in there. I'm going to have to get up in there and, and get this animal clean. Oh, no. <laughs> so this is on, if you can picture it, this is on a really steep mountain. Um, I'm sitting on shell rock slipping and sliding the the elk sitting there got both legs propped up so i i take the top part of my incision on the elk and i lift it up and i put it on the back of my head i reached up in there and started cutting and pulling well as i'm doing this the elk starts sliding a little bit <laughs> the elk slides down touches my knees and i'm kind of folded up a little bit i finally get some of the, the insides pulled out of him. But then as I'm trying to come back out, my right arm hit my stick on the front leg. No. Knocked the, the stick out. It fell down. So I'm struggling, trying to get out. My left arm knocks the other stick out. <laughs> so here, both legs have fell down. My head's inside the elk. I've got blood rushing out into my lap. The elk has slid down on top of my legs. And finally, I just leaned back. And <laughs> I did. The elk slid down me and tumbled down the mountain. I had oh. blood from head to toe. I, and first I got tears in my eyes trying to picture this. <laughs> dude, the first thing that crossed my mind was, I hope it didn't break an antler. Oh, yeah. So I run down to him, and he's okay. It didn't break anything, didn't damage anything. So I call back on the radio to my buddy. I'm like, I need help. <laughs> so, uh, my second thought is I'm, I hope that I'm not attracting mountain lions now. Uh, now, now, that didn't cross my mind. Didn't cross my mind at all. Uh, that's good. I'm so excited about this elk. I'm just like, oh, God, I got to get it. So my buddy comes over, and we've hiked a pretty good ways from our camp. And then he was closer to camp than I was, so he had a pretty good hike to me. Well, he comes to me. He helps me um, finish dressing it. We get our game bags out. We get the meat. We debone it. We get all the meat, bag it up. And he tells me, he said, you know, we got to hang this up because there's no way we're going to get all of this meat packed out tonight. 
um, to our camp. And I said, all right, well, said, well, let's hang this up and I'll carry out the, the head and hide and you grab as much meat as you can and we'll go back to camp. We'll go ahead and go to bed and then come back the next morning and get the rest of it. So that was a plan. It was getting late. By the time we got back to the camp, it was almost dark and there was it was snowing like crazy. And and again, I had a two-person tent. He had a two-person tent and we had tarps over the top of the tent. So we hang what meat we had up. I, I hang my head and hide up and we get it as high as we can. And of course, we got it away from our camp. We didn't want to, to be right in the middle of the bears and whatever else and mountain lions. And at that time, we did think about it a little bit. You know, we got got to watch about the other animals. Well, I'm cleaning myself up as much as I can, but I've still got blood all over me. So I crawl in my tent. He crawls in his, and we are both just totally exhausted. Well, I'm laying there asleep, middle of the night, and all of a sudden something hits me. And... I just, I woke up and there was something on top of me. I started kicking and screaming and I was, it was like a little kid out there. The snow had snowed so much that night, had piled up on top of the tarp, had caved in and piled in on top of me, collapsed the tent in on top of me. And my first thought was I'm being eaten by a mountain <laughs> because I have blood all over me. <laughs> so finally I realized what's going on. And I, I pull out of my tent, you know, and I look, and I was like, my buddy was named Nathan. I said, Nathan, he's over there snoring. He didn't hear anything, didn't hear me screaming, <laughs> nothing. It's a little concerning, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. So the next morning he gets up, I tell him what happened, you know, and he's like, oh, I didn't hear nothing. I'm like, I know. I said, I would be dead right now if I was being attacked. So he made fun of me, of course, for, for all of that. Well, we hiked back in, got the rest of the meat out, and by that time, we were totally exhausted. We went down to that trail that we had come in on that had uh, the outfitters that had come in on the horses. We packed all of our stuff down there. We hung everything up, and we decided, hey, we're going to hike back out to the truck, go find out you know, what outfitter this is, and just have them come up and pack the rest of this out. So... That's what we did. It took us all day to get that pack down to the to the trail. We hiked back out to our truck, and we were just had blisters on our feet. We were exhausted. We went in to town, and he said, "Sure, I'll go up and get it out. We'll go up first thing in the morning and get it out for you." So we went, got us a motel room, got a nice shower, and uh, the next morning that outfitter had went up and packed it out for us and. And we come come back to Georgia with mm. an awesome story. <laughs> that is an awesome story. Man, Lauren, that, that gets me so pumped for uh, the season, which is coming up pretty quick. Um, you know, is it something that you plan on doing again? Do you have any uh, oh, trips absolutely. lined up? Okay, so what? anything that you do differently next time? Um, I pay an outfitter to take me in. <laughs> <laughs> No, that was uh, that was years ago. So I was a lot lot younger and a, a lot more uh, healthier than I am now. Um, I I said told you that that was a that was a gun hunt, and I'm a bow hunter. I love to bow hunt. So we went. I've been back three more times. Oh, three okay. Or four, three or four more times I've been back out, and it's been bow hunt. I've been bow hunting every time. Uh, one time we. Uh, did some hunting right around right around camp uh, we drive up and hunt right there the other two times we had an outfitter take us up and and put us in a drop camp there and we'd stay for four or five days mm. but i've seen a lot of elk i've got in on them but the wind uh it, it's it's killer mm -hmm. uh, when you bow hunting you've got to beat their nose that's the main thing is you got to keep that wind in your favor and on the tops up there, that wind gets to swirling. You got to watch the thermals. I've learned and try to use those in the mornings and the evenings. But I've yet to yet to even pull back on one. I've been real close. I've had them in to where I was almost ready to to make the shot, but never never have got to shoot at one of my bow, my bow yet. One one thing I picture is people might be listening to this on their way out there. So real quick, run us through how have you with your bow? You know. Um, 
uh, how have you been able to get them to even come in? Have you, has it been more of a spot in stock or have you used calls or what's, what's worked for you to even get that close? Uh, I had to learn the calling. Uh, I wasn't very good at it at first. Uh, I probably scared away more than I called in at first, but I've kind of learned the calling. I got to call some in before. Yeah, the last time I called in a, a good bull and was real close to sealing the deal on that one, but there there again, the wind, it, mm-hmm. uh, it gave me away. But learn as much as you can from other people, uh, yeah. the guys that's been out there that's, that's done it over and over again. You know, those are the, the ones you want to sit down and hear their stories. And uh, the, the one thing that really eats me up is don't ask somebody where to go. Uh, get out there <laughs> and learn it. You know, yeah. they're not going to give you a spot. You know, don't, don't ask them where to go. Ask them how to do it. Mm-hmm. Ask them, you know, how, how to, what should I do as far as calling and scouting and, and things like that? And just get information that way. Yeah. I think that's solid advice. I, I see that all the time. And it's always, you know, you got, in today's world, you got all these different forums and places like that where people go and Facebook pages and, you always see that just about every other day. It seems like these days people are like, okay, where do you want to, where, where should I go in this unit? Well, you know, you're asking an awful lot for somebody who's spent, you know, you just, just go back to your hunt. You worked like crazy to get that first elk, you know, uh, who has the right to tell you, please give me that location in the GPS coordinates. Right. 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 And I, I'm sure a lot of the, the people don't mean it that way and they don't understand. They're just trying to, to, to get some information, but they're, they're just asking the wrong questions and, and it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. It don't really me. Um, I don't mind, yeah. you know, I, I'm not going to tell them my spot, but I'll tell them how, uh, how I did it and how I found my places and, and what I've done. Mm. Yeah. I think that's just kind of a, an overall theme I think about is, do you want to have to work for it? You know, I think everybody wants something easy. Um, but it, it means more whenever you have to work for it, you did your own homework. Um, us, for example, uh, on this hunt that we're going on, uh, we're going with some guys that have been out there before. Now it's been a few years since they've been there, but they've been hunting this area for years and years and years. And my buddy Trav and I, we're going to be out there about five days before they get there. And we actually have kind of came to this conclusion that we're not going to, we're probably not going to touch any of the spots that they've told us about. Uh, we're going to leave those for when they get there. And right. we're going to try and go to completely new areas. We've scouted and we've got about five, uh, five dots on the map that we want to check out. And that'll probably take us at least four days to check each location out and see. And, you know, and I, I think if we get something in that case, it'll probably feel more rewarding than somebody saying, go to this spot, stand here and wait, wait for an elk to come by. <laughs> right. And it's amazing. You can, you can make a few phone calls to some of the, um, the uh, forest service people out there and and they'll they'll tell you a lot of information they they don't hide anything they'll they'll talk to you and tell you a lot you can learn a lot just by talking to some people out there absolutely solid advice well lauren that's an awesome story i want to have you back on sometime i want to hear about you and your wife and, and some of your uh, whitetail hunting with her um and, but maybe closer to whitetail season which comes in here in a couple months maybe after elk season we could we could re- revisit and have some of those stories so but I appreciate you coming on and telling that story. That is a fantastic, and I think that, that gets me even more fired up to go. <laughs> me too. I'm, I'm fired up and ready to go back. <laughs> are, are you headed back this year? Well, I just had uh, back surgery. I had L5-S1 fusion surgery, and mm-hmm. I'm about two, mo- two months in on that. Um, the doctor told me I would be four months before I could do anything, so it's going to hit right about the time. So if I do go uh, – I've got it scouted out. I've looked at unit 25, I think it was. Um, looked at that area. There's some walk-in areas where you can camp from the truck there. Uh, I won't have to be packing in everything on my back. So yeah. if I'm able, I, I do plan on going. If not, it'll be next year. Absolutely. Well, if you do go, I wish you, I wish you good luck. And uh, thanks for coming on and telling that story, man. Travis, thank you so much for having me. What a storyteller. Man, I enjoyed having Lauren on and hearing those stories. He did a great job, and I will forever have in my mind etched this picture of a guy on the side of like a mountain trying to, to gut an elk with his head up inside, and the elk starts to slide down the mountain. I uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. And so I really appreciate Lauren coming on the show and telling those stories, and it was kind of a crazy thing that he talked about there with the mountain lions, two different encounters on the same trip, and... 
you know, it, it reminds me of a verse, uh, like everything else. There's always something that kind of ties to Scripture, I think. And it's a verse in First Peter verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 8, says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, to, in today's culture, there's a lot of people that believe in God or a God or a higher, higher power. But if you look at the stats, not very many people believe in the devil. Um, a lot of people see him just as like this cartoon, you know, red guy with the horns and a pitchfork and a, and a pointy tail, you know, and it's just, it's just a joke kind of thing. And you have to think about it. If, if you had an enemy, what is your enemy's, one of their greatest tactics? making you think that they're not a threat. And I think that's exactly what the devil has done. He has snuck in uh, to our culture and made people think that it's not a big deal. What he does, he's not even real. He's just a cartoon. And he's, he's, uh, he's definitely done a great job at, at tricking a lot of people. And I think this verse kind of talks about that. Be watchful because our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. And like Lauren had this encounter where he was looking one way, and next thing you know, he looks back, and there's that mountain lion right there. And, you know, I look at that, and I just think that is such a picture of how I I believe that the devil is real, and he is out to mess up my life, and he's out to mess up your life. And he has messed up a lot of people's lives by providing a temptation, providing something that's against God, and people choose it. And we all we all have kind of bought into the lies that, that he tells us from the very beginning. Uh, that sucker's been telling lies and getting people to believe it. And so I think the, the lesson here is to be watchful, to be on guard. Um, whenever I go to Colorado here in a few weeks, I will have a pistol on my side. And I plan to keep my eyes, <laughs> my head on a swivel and my eyes open, looking around, making sure, especially after hearing those kind of stories, that nothing's sneaking in on me. And I want to be ready. And I think that's the idea as far as uh, the way that we, we approach life as well. Just be aware that there is this guy out there and he's, he is trying to mess things up. And so we got to watch out for that, not give him a foothold, another verse says, and, and just be aware that he's trying to devour people and he does it every day. So be ready for that. All right, there's my little miniature soapbox sermon for you. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and hope that you share it, pass it along. And if you would like to reach out, you have any questions, comments, snide remarks, send me an email over at sheddinglightod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening, and remember to shed the light.